Welcome to the Equine Veterinary Education Podcasts. Hello, we are joined today by Dr. Sophia Baraksai, who is a diplomat of the European College of Veterinary Surgeons and is an RCVS and ECVS recognized surgical specialist. She is based in Surrey and Sussex, traveling around the UK to consult on cases and perform surgeries at various veterinary practices. Welcome. Hi, Lauren. Thanks for asking me. Oh, shame. Thank you so much for coming. Um, today, we have Sophia here to discuss her latest case report on creation of salpingopharyngeal fistulae for the management of guttural pouch tympani and persistent guttural pouch empyema. So, I was wondering if you could please just go through your the two presenting cases that you elected to use um, for this article. Um, so... This technique um, was, I think, being developed concurrently by a couple of different surgeons in, in the States. But um, I had chatted to Brett Woody, who is in Kentucky, about using it actually for a, for a different type of um, uh, disorder for dorsal pharyngeal collapse. And he had been using it for that, for dynamic dorsal pharyngeal collapse. And he had shown me some videos of, of how to do it. Uh, and then uh, Imogen from your practice from Lingfield Equine came to me and said she had this case of uh, guttural pouch tympani in a in an eight month old Arab filly, um, and I was just thinking that actually this technique was a really good technique that would be useful for uh, for, for cases of guttural pouch tympani, and I wanted to give it a go for that, even though um, you know to my knowledge it hasn't been used for that before. Um, and I guess that must have been three, four years ago now, maybe a bit longer. Um, and then subsequent to that, um, one of the vets, uh, upper Alm veterinary, um, practice, Ewan, uh, came to me and, uh, got in touch because they had a really chronic case of guttural pouch, um, empyema in an 18 year old pony. Um, and that had been treated like for months and months uh, with, um, uh, medical treatment. And it also had a modified white house, uh, surgery, uh, and yet still the pouch was, um, getting filled with pus on a regular basis. Uh, and again, I thought that this would be an option that we can, you know, create a different opening into the pouch, um, improve the drainage to a degree, um, but just change the environment in, inside of the pouch. Um, and then subsequent to me actually doing these cases, because they are quite old, there has been a um, couple of publications come out, which has then described the use of this technique um, for as an adjunctive treatment for um, guttural pouch mycosis. So that's a paper by um, Eric Parente's group. Uh, and um, just before we were trying to get this published, a, a paper came out on a, a small series of treatment of cases of chronic um, guttural pouch empyema uh, from another group in the States. I forget which one. So okay, it's, yeah, a, it's a technique that's really, um, I'm say, say simple to do is, you know, if you're doing a lot of laser surgery, then it's relatively simple to do. I wouldn't say it's simple for everybody, um, but it's really useful for a whole range of guttural pouch diseases. And that's why I think it's really important to try and publicize it. Okay. Um, would you please describe the laser technique that you're using to create this um, salpingopharyngeal fistula? Yeah. So within this technique, the horse is standing sedated uh, and uh, we just have to spray a bit of local onto the um, nasopharyngeal recess. So that kind of divot uh, in the in the dorsal wall of the pharynx where you look up and often there's a lot of, you know, if you have pharyngeal 
lymphoid hyperplasia there, that's where it'll be. Um, so there's a little divot there, and we just use the laser, diode laser, transendoscopically um, to uh, create about a centimetre and a half by a centimetre and a half fistula uh, in the midline through and goes through into the guttural pouch. Uh, and usually, if you make it in the midline, depending on where the guttural pouch septum exactly is, and that can vary from case to case. Um, but you will go through into both the left and the right pouches. So it creates a nice fistula between the pouch interior and the nasopharynx. Okay. Um, question. If you have a unilateral disease, would you still want to open up into um, both guttural pouches for fear of spreading something to the other side? Yeah, it's a good question. I I wouldn't be too worried about it. Um, usually, as you start to make the hole, you can then identify the septum. So you could then choose to go more in one side than the other. Um, the only problem with that would be that you then um, have a smaller fistula. So it's more likely to close prematurely. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much. What do you think are the main advantages um, with this approach compared to more conventional approaches um, that have been previously described? Well, I guess for tympany um, or for persistent empyema where you've got a blocked auditory tube, which often happens to you've got a lot of inflammation that's causing stenosis of the auditory tube, um, you know, the old-fashioned way to make a, um, a fistula between the um, nasopharyngeal um, or the nasopharynx and the guttural pouch was to, to make a, a hole through um, more laterally than we're doing it in the in the midline in the dorsopharyngeal recess. Uh, and here, when we go through the tissue, it's only maybe three millimeters thick. Whereas if you go through in the classic location, uh, which is um, more, if you're looking at the guttural pouch ostium, then you imagine going caudal and dorsal to that. And you're making a, a hole there through into the floor of the medial compartment of the pouch. Um, well, the tissue there is much, much thicker. Uh, and the other disadvantage of going through there is that that's really where the um, pharyngeal branch of the vagus nerve runs. So you have uh, a higher risk of injuring that nerve. And then you'll have a horse with um, um, dysphagia, which can be quite profound. Um, and the other thing that's good about doing it in the midline through that thin mucosa uh, in the in the dorsal pharyngeal recess um, is that you can access both sides very easily. So that's an alternative treatment for guttural pouch tympany is that you make a fenestration. If you've got a unilateral case, you can make a fenestration in the median septum between the left and right pouches. But by going through the dorsal pharyngeal recess, you, you're also fenestrating between the left and right pouches and you're fenestrating through into the nasopharynx. So, um, but for me, it's just more of a, a safer technique it's an easier technique because it's not such thick thick tissue to um, cut through. Uh, and there has been an experimental study that looked at the amount of laser energy that you need to cut through in the classic um, location and in this new location. And, and the amount of energy was much less for the dorsopharyngeal recess. So um, it's just a it's a, it's a nice, simple um, technique to be able to do. Okay, cool. And I think, I mean, the, the advantage to having less laser energy, would that be less um, tissue destruction in the surrounding tissues? Yeah, exactly. And um, the problem is that with the pouch, as you know, there's just so many important things that you don't want to hit. 
Um, yeah. You don't want to hit, you know, all the ves- big vessels that are there uh, and the various nerves, and particularly this pharyngeal branch of the vagus. Um, so, um, you know, you can end up with a dead horse if you get if you if you hit that either surgically when you're doing a modified White House or uh, with a laser. Um, so, yeah, it, it can be a very profound um, complication if that does occur. I'm sure. Yeah. What um, what would you consider to be the disadvantages of using this technique? I think for guttural pouch, well, with for all techniques that are used for guttural pouch tympani, the main problem we come across is that the hole that we've made to enable air to flow freely between the pouch and the nasopharynx, it will stenose and close over time. So that can happen with this. So when we followed up uh, some of these cases, you know, they were definitely going for up to uh, nine months and the hole was still there. So that's good. But obviously over time, we don't know how in the years to come that the hole may stenose and close over. Um, and the, I guess the disadvantage for empyema is that you're not making the hole in a dependent position. Um, so, uh, you know, the pus is not naturally draining up and, and over, but obviously if it gets to a certain level, then it will drain. But I think the thinking is with empyema, it's the same as for guttural pouch mycosis, is that you end up having a very closed environment when you've got a chronic empyema, which isn't draining properly, uh, and you're not getting airflow in there, uh, and you've probably got a really horrible, humid environment, and that's the type of thing, you know, that um, is uh, perpetuating the empyema or the mycosis. And um, and Parente's group postulated that just by changing the environment, by opening the pouch up um, to the nasopharynx, um, that you can really make a difference just with that by changing the airflow in and out of the pouch. So um, it's not a dependent drainage for the empyema, but it does allow you really easy access to get in and flush the pouch, particularly if you've got a stenosed um, nasopharyn- uh, uh, an aud- stenosed auditory tube. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. Would you consider, um, in this case, I see in your article, there's no reason to place the Foley's catheter, um, into your created, um, fistula because they seem to stay open on their own, but is it something that you could consider doing? Should you find they're closing too soon? Yeah, I haven't had any that have closed too soon. And again, in the in the papers that have been published, the case series, um, I think they have all stayed open for several months at least. You know, we're talking four or five months, so I'd have to check that. But um, I wouldn't bother to put a Foley catheter in, you know, because horses just don't tolerate those very well because the ends coming out of their nostril is quite irritating for them. And that's actually was tried in the first case. Um, the gutter pouch tympani case in this little case series because, um, but the filly kept on rubbing them out. So it always sounds like a great idea. Oh, we put a Foley catheter in and leave it there for X many months. But actually the reality is that is that they get dislodged all the time uh, and it's very difficult to keep them in. Um, so no, I wouldn't consider it. I don't think it's necessary. We can make a reasonably large window um, in the dorsopharyngeal recess. I guess it's probably like a centimetre and a half squared. Okay. Um, so, um, you know, it, I think it would be better if you're finding that the hole is closing, if you rescope at four months or so, you could just go and laser and enlarge it again if you were still having a problem. But usually by that stage, you know, things have moved on and, and the problem resolves. Like with tympani, um, once the, the um, uh, horse has matured, usually you don't tend to have recurring problems. Um, I don't know why I assume that maybe the valve um, of the normal um, guttural pouch uh, opening ostium 
uh, fixes whatever it had wrong with it that was not allowing air out. Uh, as the horse grows, that gets better. Um, so we kind of only need, uh, I'll call it a semi-permanent rather than a temporary resolution, but a, um, you know, a resolution of several months and then usually we can, uh, the primary problem will resolve itself. Okay. I mean, in these cases as well, with changing the micro environment in the guttural pouch, I mean, p- potentially that is actually part of the long-term solution. Yeah, well. absolutely. And that's exactly what um, the Watkins Parente um, paper was saying about the mycosis is that A, it did give them a nice easy way to, to get in and, and spray enoconazole or whatever they were using on the plaque. Um, but some of them didn't have topical treatment and they they resolved. And obviously the problem is that we know that a proportion of gotropouch mycosis cases will resolve spontaneously. Um, but uh, they said that they resolved faster than what they would have expected had they just, you know, not done any treatment. In my experience, if you've got gotropouch mycosis case, usually untreated, it tends to get bigger and will get bigger and bigger for several months before it will then, sometimes they will spontaneously resolve. But I would say that's probably the minority of cases. Usually they get worse. Okay. Um, I also noticed that you you wrote that this would be a good technique for, for example, removing of chondroids from your guttural pouches. Um, would that be something to consider long term? Or yeah, if you had you just when you've got really big chondroids, you know, sometimes you can grab the chondroid really nicely with your transendoscopic basket forcep. Um, yes. But then when you go to pull it out of the audit, audit, um, auditory tube, because again, you know, usually these auditory tubes are quite inflamed and, and sometimes stenosed. That's when, yeah. you know, either the chondroid gets dropped or it gets cheese wired through. So if you've got a nice big hole into the pharynx through the dorsopharyngeal recess, um, it might just be easier to maneuver the chondroids out that way. Um, and certainly you could, you know, put um, a foley or something into the auditory uh, into the auditory tube uh, and flush the chondroids out and they might spill out through that big natopharyngeal opening. Um, So it just gives you a nice, easy access to the pouch, basically. Yeah. So would you consider this an alternative, um, for example, to a modified White House approach as a way of removing chondroids routinely? Um, Yes, it it could be. If you, I mean, the, the best way probably to remove chondroids is not to create any extra holes and just to try and remove them through the auditory tube. But if you've got, you know, these cases that have millions of chondroids and it's just, you know, very arduous, then doing the um, nasopharyngeal fistula may help or make it more easy. Um, But there are some cases of empyema where you just have that really kind of cheesy, maybe it's not quite, you have chondroids, but you also have just really cheesy kind of glutinous pus. And for that, I think probably the modified White House is the only way to go because you have to physically get your hands in there and instruments in there and spoon it out, scoop it out. Um, But uh, I say if you've got small chondroids or only a few of them, then there's really no need to do the laser fenestration. You can just pull them out in the normal fashion. But if they are very large um, or if you're having trouble getting them all out, then this would be something to think about. Yeah. Okay. wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, I, you mentioned earlier about using this as well for other, um, there's other applications to consider using this technique, um, such as the, um, pharyngeal instability, dorsopharyngeal instability. So I think, um, have you used it for that application yet? 
I have not used that yet. Um, I so this is um, yeah been suggested for quite a while um, by um, other surgeons, but no one's really followed up with any case series or anything. So I, I don't know um, definitively whether it works. But um, there is the theory that again horses, this is adult horses. Um, that have dorsal nasopharyngeal collapse. So it's not suitable for lateral or circumferential nasopharyngeal collapse, but just dorsal nasopharyngeal collapse mm-hmm. um, might have a problem with, again, the valve at the um, in the auditory tube or at the ostium so that they're getting a little bit too much air trapped um, in the guttural pouches. And then during exercise, that's impinging and, and causing the dorsal wall of the pharynx to, to project ventrally. Um, and it's particularly so in horses that um, are exercised with extreme head flexion. So, yes, yeah, so it's postulated that horses that work in extreme head flexion might have more of this problem. Um, and uh, horses that uh, have the, just a dorsal nasopharyngeal collapse, if you were to um, make a fistula into the guttural pouch, um, the theory is that you could equalize the pressures between the air in the guttural pouch and the air in the nasopharynx and stop dorsal nasopharyngeal collapse. But I've not seen any case report or case series to illustrate that yet. Okay. Okay. Something for the future. Mm. Okay. Wonderful. Well, I think this sounds like a really exciting technique and definitely a really, um, you know, a really interesting application for this technique for the treatment of tympani and persistent empyema. So thank you so much for your, um, for going through this article with us. And thank you so much for being part of the podcast. That's great, Lauren. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this Equine Veterinary Education Podcast. More on the subjects discussed in this podcast can be found online at wileyonlinelibrary.com forward slash journal forward slash eve.